I know. <laughs> I saw it happen. Oh, okay. I did not feel a desire to stop saying, are you alive? Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Romcomathon. I'm Kat. And I'm Alex. And today we're talking about 10 Things I Hate About You because thousands of readers apparently want us to review 10 Things I Hate About You. That's a bit of an exaggeration. It was like three people. How dare you? But it is the 20th anniversary um, of the film's release. And the New York Times, I think, did a like flashback uh, reunion sort of interview with the cast, minus Heath Ledger, of course. So we are, we're, we're feeling zeitgeisty. And we're excited because it's a great movie. And it's so rare that we get to watch something we enjoy for this previously blog. Yes. So I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, so it was released in 1999. Um, so I was like 11. I did not watch this film in theaters or when it first came out. I don't think I saw it until I was actually 17-ish. It was like the summer after high school that I actually watched it for the first time. Um, I rented it from a local video store. Oh my God. It was not a Blockbusters actually, but it was a, there was like a local video rental place in, in Newton Center. Truly don't remember. It was Believe next, you. It was next to the post office. Okay. Did it have a name? I don't remember. I rented it and I think I watched it every day for a week. I loved it so much. I eventually bought it on DVD and, and watched it a lot after yes, that. Yes, in fact, we both watched that DVD this week. Yes. To refresh. Yeah. So I've, I've seen this movie a lot, but I had not seen it in several years um, when, we, when I watched it last night. I do not remember my first viewing. Was it because of me? Probably. Probably. If this was before college, then I probably watched it with you. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so if you're not familiar with 10 Things I Hate About You, it is a classic uh, 90s teen rom-com, a adaptation of Taming of the Shrew, and uh, is in fact one of the better ones I think I've ever seen. It's, it's quite something. <laughs> Are you going to tell us what happens in it? Yes, I am. Um, so Julia Stiles plays Kat Strafford, an relatively hostile uh, young feminist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was back in 1999 when feminism was very frightening to people. Yes. And she, Apparently. yeah, yeah. And uh, she's a younger sister, Bianca, Larissa. Blanick. Yeah. And she, Bianca really wants to date this horrible dude at the school. Andrew Keegan. Who has a cult now. Uh, does he? Yes, he does. And what? Like a cult cult or a cult following? He has, <laughs> no, it's a cult. What? We'll get back to that. And where was that? And Julia Stiles, uh, their their father is really crazy and doesn't want them to date and basically says that, okay, well, Bianca, you can date if Kat dates. Um, and Kat is never going to date. So he feels very secure in this <laughs> in this promise. Um, meanwhile, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, a new kid to the school, also really has a crush on Bianca. And basically what ends up happening is that he creates a sort of plan to uh, get uh, Heath Ledger, who everyone thinks is like a former convict, to date Julia Stiles. So then Bianca can date. So they they pay him off. And there's like a convoluted whole thing where they, they convince Andrew Keegan that this is somehow his idea as well. Um, and then, yeah, shenanigans ensue. Obviously, a lot of miscommunication. And eventually, Heath Ledger develops real feelings for Julia Stiles, which is very cute. And it all culminates at the prom because why wouldn't it? It's a teen movie. And yeah. Are you focused on the Andrew Keegan cult situation? Yes, I, I must know more. Okay, so this actually might be slander because it was, it was a few years ago when I read this article, but I'm pretty sure there was an article about how Andrew Keegan is now like living this life and he has like this weird cult in Venice or something. What? Yes, let me Google. 
One of the stars of 10 Things I Hate About You has started a religion. What? This Okay, so this is, he started a church in Venice Beach, California. Okay, so oh, I- Oh, that Venice. That makes much more sense. So I was right. Um, this, was, this is an article from Vice. I was picturing him in Italy, just to be clear. He has a new age temple and spiritual movement called Full Circle. Okay, that's not necessarily a cult. When I visited the church, I was greeted at the door by a man who said his name was Third Eye. He quickly introduced me to the community pet Krishna, a giant talking parrot. Third Eye explained that he was part of the inner circle, composed of eight core members, all of whom are led by the founder, Andrew Keegan. All the members are, quote, enlightened and have come together to initiate change. While they are cooperative, Keegan is the official leader who has, as Third Eye put it, the ultimate say on all things. That sounds like a cult to me. Oh, yeah, that's not great. So, I mean, we won't get into, I think after this, Kat will be doing some Googling to figure out uh-huh. more about this cult. But yeah, he started a cult. I wish that I had not gotten the clarification so I could have gone on picturing him with a cult in Venice. That would have been cool. But now I'm sad. I don't think, I, I really don't think Venice, Italy is home to as many cults as Venice Beach, California. Oh boy, what a world. <laughs> anyway, back to the movie. Yes, I would like to say... First, that the music in this movie makes me so nostalgic. Yes, I had a lot of I had a lot of like notes about the about the music as well. I also enjoyed overall how very of its time it was. It was talking about like Julia Stiles' crush on Jared Leto. Ew, but yes. <laughs> Dawson's River, as Dad called it. Real world Seattle. Just great. Yeah. The late nineties. What, what a time. I love like the beginning when you just start off with bare naked ladies. Yes. Um, it's so it's so nice. And Larissa Olenek and her unfortunate friend Gabrielle Union talking about their sketchers. Yes. It was very nostalgic. Um, including Allison Janney's like hideously like brick like laptop that she's like writing smut on. Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, I would like to say that none of these teachers, none of the teachers at the school have any sort of professional boundaries. They would all be sued <laughs> immediately. There would be so many sexual harassment lawsuits against this against the school. Well, I was like, I feel like the coach is actually kind of okay because, like, when she's kind of flirting with him, she's like, not that I'm thinking about, and he's like, let's hope not. So he might escape this lawsuit (laughs) because it doesn't seem like he wanted her to flash him. No, no, I don't think so. But even their English teacher, I think, was a touch unprofessional. That was so weird. I was like, is he a good teacher? Is he a bad teacher? And by the end of the movie, I had concluded he was not a very good teacher. He was not a good teacher. Like, why is he sending her away? He has so many, like, obvious grudges against students. I was like, this is not this is not a good educational atmosphere. I would not feel comfortable in this classroom. Also, she mentioned that a fellow student tried to grope her in the lunch line. Yeah. And I was like, um, <laughs> is this not cause for concern? I guess in 1999, they were like, well, anything goes. Um, I, watching this, I was like, what an interesting take on high school cliques. There were some things where I was like, is this familiar to anyone? Did the writers ever attend high school? Like the coffee crowd, the uh, future MBAs of America. Um, what, what else were there? There were some like weird ones. Oh, the cowboys, the ones who think they're like cowboys or farmers or something. That was odd. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, that was very weird. I thought like all of these were a bit bizarre. They were in Seattle. So I was like, maybe the coffee crowd is a thing. Maybe. Um, I do feel like this movie isn't, I I don't take it too seriously because it's definitely walks a line between total parody and not. Yeah. Because with Shakespeare and all that, and you're just like, sure, okay. 
There were definitely some things where I was like, this is weird, but I guess it's because it's a Shakespeare adaptation where they're like, virgin alert, she's so pure. And you're like, oh, uh, yeah. that's weird. Yeah, for sure. Um, there are some classic lines, though. Yes. That I think about a lot, like when Bianca defines the difference between like and love. Also, like. whelmed. Yes. It's a classic. Yep. I think you can in Europe. <laughs> I think the beer flavored nipples is like the line that I think about most often. Yes, I think about it. I think I think I think about it a lot as well. Um, oh, good. I'm saying things like I think I think about it. Good, good job, <laughs> self. Um, I enjoyed Babyface. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yes, there are parts from this movie that are him that I deeply love and think about all the time when I'm not watching the film. Like Such what? As, like when he's in the car and he like after she kisses him and gets out of the car and oh, he's like, and, he- and I'm back. It's so exciting. It's so cute. It's very precious. But I can't believe that someone was like, yes, let's cast him as this. He looks like he's 10. Yeah, I was like, I guess he's a senior. Yeah, he's supposed, he's in theory the same age as Kat and Patrick. He does not seem it. No, he doesn't look it at all. He looks the same age as like a 13 year old. Um, Kat is more intense than I remembered her being. Yes. I mean, it's obviously played up for comedy, but I was like, I too would avoid this girl if I went to school with her. It's not just like her feminism take is obviously totally legitimate and like she's like fine. Yeah, she makes a lot of of good points. Yeah, some of her stuff is like, oh, this is totally normal in 2019. No one would find this weird. Blah, blah, blah. But then there's like, oh, maybe you should not destroy other people's cars. Yes. Or when she is like so insulted by the fact that they're putting up posters for prom like you're in high school i i don't know what you were expecting i know i wrote that poor prom poster girl yeah you didn't have to rip it off the wall it just seems like a really extreme solution Uh uh-huh just don't go don't go you're bitter but everyone else wants to partake yes (laughs) um but i did enjoy that at one point she's reading the bell jar yes I just, I love how she was reading it too. It was like very obviously like far here, away from her. I am reading the bell jar. Yeah. Um, I have this note that says, you know what? Kat was really intense, but she's amazing. Truly. She is correct. And everyone else sucks. She <laughs> is correct. And everyone else sucks. Yes. Her English teacher doesn't take any of her critiques seriously, even though she makes good critiques yep. about their curriculum and everyone else is a horrible misogynist. So <laughs> I really... I honestly had a note that I was like, oh, I feel like there's a lot of stuff to unpack about Julia Stiles and Larissa Olenek's mom and how she died. And like, and then I was like, oh, she didn't die. She left. Yeah, that's really, I I couldn't remember what happened to their mother. I thought she died. And then yeah. I was like, oh. And then there's so much to unpack around it because like Julia Stiles talks about like, oh, like all this stuff that I did, it was right after mom left. I was trying to protect you, things like that. But it was really interesting because I was like, why is Julia Stiles so mature at like 17? She's like, I do care, but I'm a firm believer in doing something for your own reasons. I was like, this is a very mature 17 year old. She had all that time to mature after she like did that one thing with with Andrew Keegan. sexual encounter with Andrew Keegan. Yeah, yeah. But I would like to point out, Julia Stiles, the actress, was actually like 17 or 18 when this film was done. And I was like, that's incredible. Yeah. She's a very, she was, she's very good in this movie. They're all around that age. Like I think even. Gabrielle Union. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) How old is she? I think she's like perpetually playing teenagers. And so I think she was in her 20s. Oh, okay. But yeah, everyone else was like kind of 20-ish or younger. Yeah. Or maybe even all under 20. And I was like, Except Heath Ledger looks like he's like a good 40. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) I thought that Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger were like that classic CW thing where people are like 25. Yeah. (laughs) But no, they were like 18 years old. But... (laughs) 
I was like, I was like, he's looking good though. I mean, like, it's not like he's a bad forty. He's a no. good forty, <laughs> oh but he looks God. forty. Wow! Like, no wonder he's able to hang out in these biker bars and just drink whiskey. Yeah, let's talk about when he goes to the club to find Julia Stiles because apparently she listens to horrible women's music or whatever. Yeah. First of all, who would name their club Skunk? I don't know. Second of all, if he can't be seen at Club Skunk, how come the bartender knows him? I had that question as well. I was like, do they play other stuff at other times? Is this just like a feminist club? But he literally said, I can't be seen at Club Skunk. I was like, who else is going though? I mean, like, if you can't go, surely the people who would see you can't go either. <laughs> oh, good point. I didn't think of yeah, that. Yeah, conundrum. You're like, surely only Julia Stiles' horrible feminist friends would be there. <laughs> Um, so some interesting things, small things that I noticed that had never come to my attention before. At one point, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt's friend... Oh, there goes, there goes the lights. Darkness. When Joseph Gordon-Levitt's friend goes to persuade Andrew Keegan about paying Heath Ledger to take out Julia Stiles, he is like trying to casually make conversation. He's like, a peach fruit roll up. You're like, you don't often see one of those. And I was like, are those real though? Are like, you are you interested? Were there peach fruit roll-ups? I'm asking readers who were alive at this time. Do you recall a peach fruit roll-up? I don't remember, but I'll I believe it. That seems like it would be pretty good. I'm pretty sure they didn't exist. Do they still make fruit roll-ups? I think so. Okay, they're probably at Costco, but I don't need a Costco-sized amount of fruit roll-ups. Anyway, something that I had never noticed before, and I don't know if this is like a Shakespearean reference or whatever. But in the credits, or maybe in a transcript or something, I noticed that Heath Ledger's friend is named Scurvy. Really? The weirdo? Yes. Oh, no. I did not know that. I was like, That's unfortunate. Oh, I just, I have a lot of follow-up questions. He's, he's never named in the film. He's just like his, like... No, yeah. Apparently, his name is Scurvy. Yeah. He's just his friend who doesn't want him to, like, smoke up in lab. Very reasonable. Yes. Reasonable of Scurvy. Yes. <laughs> I... So, I found that... Andrew Keegan approaching Heath Ledger to convince him to take out Julia Stiles offers him $20 at first. And I was like, this is so insulting. That's barely money. I mean, it was $19.99. But still, it was so little money. I was like, surely not. Gas would cost more. Yeah, like that does not cover the cost of the date. Um, And hello, you should pay for incidentals. Yes. And when he goes up to 75, I was like, yes, Patrick, make that money. Get get, get that cash from stupid Andrew Keegan. To be honest, it was still less money than I remembered. Well, nowadays, it'd probably be like 100 bucks. Yes. Which I felt like was a is a reasonable starting point if you want someone to uh, fake an entire relationship. Yes. Yes. At least $100. Yes. How much would you would, would that be your bottom line, you think? Well, it depends. What kinds of dates am I taking this person on? Okay, so high school, right? So we're in high school. Yes. So this is like the late 2000s. Well, no, no, no. Let's just say like nowadays, but whatever. Oh, it's but- 2019, but I am in high school. Yes. Okay, I have to ask, is a proposal involved? Not yet. This is the beginning of the I relationship. See. Yes. I'm, I'm being approached with the initial offer. Yes. And they're like, hey, I want you to take out this kid and uh, we'll give you some cash for it. How much would you have to, would your minimum be? Is he or she as attractive as Julia Stiles? They're attractive, but hostile. <laughs> um, and I'm a high schooler? You're a high schooler, so you have to do all the social media stuff. Oh, God. Like the Facebook, you have to do Instagram. Although I have to say, if I'm a high schooler in 2019, I'm probably 
not as disgusted by the idea of having to do all the social media stuff as I am as myself. Yes, that's true. I mean, I probably already have like three Instagrams. But you have to take them out to like the movies. Okay, well, I would expect, of course, all of the date-related costs to be covered. Right. And on top of that, I would require a fee of at least 20 or $30. Oh, okay, okay. I'm so- a child in this scenario, though. As an adult, I think I'd require more. Do you not think, like, a 2019 teen has, like, some... $50? 50 bucks? Like, Maybe. That seems... Maybe. I probably need some buffer. So what? That's, like, at least 80 bucks. I have to say, this does not seem like an efficient way to spend one's money. Yeah, especially if the whole purpose is just so you could date her sister. Date some other girl. I'm sure there are so many. There are so many. Including Gabrielle Union, who was perfectly happy to date yes, Larissa Yes, she Lennick. is eager to step right in there. I was like, oh no, Gabrielle Union is not a good friend. She is not. I mean, to be fair, at that point, Larissa has decided she doesn't want to go, but still. Yeah. No, I was like, I I, I feel you, Larissa Lennick. I feel you and you're like insulted surprise she's taken aback as i would be yeah if i were just like "Mm, peace bye frankly i'd be surprised though that you would be interested in such a human after (laughs) having witnessed his behavior fair enough fair enough um i feel like as heath ledger i would have had a lot more questions about this whole scenario let's just picture right you're heath ledger Uh and andrew keegan approaches you and is like hey man i will give you 20 bucks to take out this chick i was really hoping you would say to join a cult but it's fine and then you see this girl playing soccer about to like maim someone basically and you're like "Mm, yikes i'm gonna need a higher price right and then you guys kind of like agree on a price and you're like cool cool and then you're just like minding your business in woodshop and these two scrawny children (laughs) approach you and they're like um we're also involved in this situation would you not have a few questions like who is this girl like why would i have to do this what is your involvement their explanation is just like oh really cameron is the one who wants to date bianca hence the beer flavored nipples line right but Aside from that, Heath Ledger has, like, no other comments. He's like, okay, cool. I totally buy into this, and this is fine. Perhaps he's just exhausted by the situation already. I mean... (laughs) So, there are some weird character development moments in this film. Like, for instance, Bianca is a complete idiot at the beginning of the movie. Well, I don't know if she's actually an idiot. This is, like, the pose she's chosen to strike. Sure, but when she's having those conversations, it's just... It does seem vapid. It's just with Gabrielle Union, too. It's not like she's having the conversation with a wider group of people. But maybe Gabrielle Union is vapid. I mean, no, that that is exactly the impression we get from the film, (laughs) but... Even dumber than Larissa Olenek. Exactly. But then Larissa Olenek is, one, totally capable of speaking French, and (laughs) why why did she even need a tutor? Two, um, able to use words like pensive. Yes, I was like, oh, at least she's not as dumb as Andrew Keegan. Also, with Heath Ledger, he is from the outside. Very weird seeming. Like, (laughs) the shot we have of him is stabbing a penknife into a partially dissected frog. I think he's just trying to avoid making any friends. Except Scurvy. Except Scurvy. Well, is Scurvy his friend or just his lab partner? I don't know. But then... At the end of the film, he's like a, well, even midway, he's like a totally normal person. And you're like, but you could have seemed reasonable from the outset, but here you are stabbing frogs, trying to smoke in glass. (laughs) Like, these are kind of weird things. People are not what they seem, Alex. He's just, it's his brand. 
It's his brand. I was also wondering why Joseph Gordon-Levitt was so deeply focused on getting a date with Larissa Olenek when they were already hanging out together. I was like, just call it a date. Call it a date. Well, you can't just do that. You can't just relabel activities dates. Right, but like, like this is a date now. Like, basically, he's, he's already hanging out with her alone after school. It's true. Rifling through her sister's things. Oh my God, by the way. Can we just talk about the black panties thing? I was like, or they're just practical. Yes. Um, if listeners don't remember or aren't familiar with this, uh, Larissa Olenek and Joseph Gordon-Levitt go through Julia Stiles' bedroom looking for things that would help Heath Ledger uh, seduce her, essentially. And they find a pair of black underwear in her underwear drawer. And Larissa, Larissa Olenek is like, oh, this means like, you know, she's planning on having sex someday. And my fiance, Alex, was in the room during this part. And she was like, this line really stuck with me as like a kid because I was like, oh, that's what that means. Yes. And I think that as a teenager, I also thought this was true. That black underwear meant. Well, I don't know that black underwear was special in some way, which looking back is weird because I feel like the most special thing about black underwear in reality is that it does not show blood. Yes. (laughs) So, you know. So you don't feel like it would really demonstrate that. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Is it lacy black underwear? Okay. Like there's a difference between underwear of any color and lingerie. Yes. The underwear they pulled from her drawer, as far as I could tell, just seemed like regular underwear. Black underwear. It did not seem lacy or sexy in any particular way. It could way. be normal, vaguely athletic black underwear. Like who's to say? Yeah. This just seems like good if you're playing a lot of soccer and I don't know, sweating a ton like that maybe this is like a fine color underwear to have Mm, never having played soccer i couldn't tell you i well yes i played lots of soccer me very athletic they don't know we could we should tell listeners that you are very athletic and see how long it takes for that ruse to collapse it's already collapsed you've already told them this didn't work we'll have to think of another ruse okay um can we talk about my favorite scene what is your favorite scene my favorite scene is when they're playing paintball Yes, that has always been your favorite scene. Yes. Um, I love everything about it. I wrote in all caps about it in my notes. I love the whole montage set to F&T by Semisonic, a oh, song I greatly love. God. Yes. Um, and the whole the whole situation, like everything about the moment where he sort of tackles her into the pile of hay and he like flips up his goggles and then he kisses, well, he like takes off her goggles. They like touch each other's faces and then they kiss. It's amazing. And then the camera pans out I'm like everything about the scene is the best scene ever ever (laughs) I stand by it (laughs) well all right then it's true that as I was watching that scene I was recalling how much you love that scene (laughs) thank you I'm glad it stayed with you I do love that scene as well but honestly it was really hard I wrote down a lot of scenes and lines that I loved from this movie I love um when Larissa Olenek has already made clear to Joseph Gordon-Levitt that she likes him, but he has not yet asked her out. And they have that French conversation and the captions are like, where is my uncle's pencil? I don't know. Maybe it is up your ass. But my favorite is that before that happens, one of the lines in French is, may I offer you a parsnip? (laughs) And I just want to know, like, are the French eating a lot of parsnips? What is a parsnip? We have some listeners in France. We could ask them to write in and tell us more about their parsnip eating eating lace. Yeah. Um, I also love that he is still using the French book with the hole that Heath Ledger drilled through it in Woodshop. (laughs) It would have been expensive for him to get another textbook. Indeed. Indeed. Um, 
Speaking of scenes, I will say that as an adult, I think I feel differently about a lot of things than I used to. Like, for example, as an adult, I feel like I have a greater appreciation for these kids who freely embrace how weird they are. Yeah. Yes. Like as a teenager, you want so badly to be normal. And as an adult, you're like, it's kind of nice that like Mandela, Julia Stiles' friend, just chooses to be super weird. Just chooses to love William Shakespeare in this like totally like bizarre way. Yes. Like she wants something. Like at one point, Julia Stiles is like, we're making a statement. And Mandela's like, oh, good. Something new and different for us. (laughs) But (laughs) and she does want to go to prom. And that's nice. But like they are clearly so themselves. And that's kind of nice. Yeah. Also, as an adult, I think I have a lot more feelings about their weird dad. (laughs) You know, you're like, oh, dad is crazy. Dad is overprotective. But then, like, near the end, when he is kind of coming around and Julia Stiles talks about Larissa Olenek punching out what's-his-face at the prom and she's like, are you upset that I rubbed off on her? And he's like, no, impressed. And there's like such a nice moment between them and he talks about how like as a father, becoming a spectator in his kids' life lives is really hard and I was like, I had a lot of feelings. And then when he revealed that he had agreed to pay for Sarah Lawrence because she wanted to go to school far away and he didn't want to let her, I literally cried. Oh, that's when you cried. That is when I cried. Oh, of course I didn't cry at the other stuff. I was wondering when you were like, I I cried a little this movie. I was like, when? Yes, I cried at the parent stuff. Of course, of course. Yes, of course. Um, I don't have anything as meaningful or deep to say about that, except that there was a sad movie montage set to Sister Hazel, and I felt what could possibly be more of its time. Oh my God. Also, the outfit that Larissa Olenek, so this is after Julia Stiles and Larissa Olenek have like gotten in a fight basically about how she didn't tell her the truth about Andrew Keegan and she was trying to protect her and like blah, blah, blah. Everyone's trying to protect Larissa Olenek. And she's like sitting on the tire swing in this like slightly old timey little girl pink and white outfit. Yeah, it's very weird. And I was like, she doesn't dress like this normally. These are morning clothes. <laughs> it was like a weird metaphor. And I was like, I see we're just really emphasizing that she's a sad little girl on a tire swing. Really, really hard. Yeah. While your winter plays. I also hated her prom dress. Oh. Like the two-piece, like weird, I don't know, tool situation. Yes. Even as a teenager, I remember being like, really? Because Julia Stiles is wearing this totally beautiful, normal-looking prom dress. She looks great, right? Yes. La- Larissa Lennon comes down, and you're like, "What is? What is this?" Like the top is one of those vaguely crop toppy ones, but not form fitting, so it doesn't like close all the way down. Yes, yeah. And then the bottom is a skirt. <laughs> the bottom is like a tulle skirt. I mean, she still looks pretty good because she's a very pretty girl, but like, it's weird. It's super. It's weird. odd. Yeah. Um. I did like, but I feel like this is never fully resolved, that after Julia Stiles leaves the prom, Larissa Olenek and Heath Ledger are both standing there super guilty. Because, but it's never really acknowledged that Larissa Olenek had a part in this scheme. Like she may not have known exactly what was going on, but she helped investigate her sister so that like someone else could woo her. She would be found guilty in a court of law. Yes, correct. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know why they didn't talk that out. Um, let's talk about the iconic, there are several iconic moments from this film, but the iconic one, Heath Ledger's uh, declaration of affection with, with his song. Oh my God. So the thing about that, I forgot why he did it. Like, of course I remembered that scene happened because it's probably the most famous scene in the film. Yeah. But I forgot that it's because Joseph Gordon-Levitt tells him to sacrifice himself on the altar of dignity <laughs> because he <laughs> embarrassed Julia Stiles by not kissing her back 
back when she was drunk. And looking back, you're like, but that's a good thing. The other thing that was weird about this approach was that that thing was private, right? Like Julia, like him not kissing Julia Stiles because she's drunk private. No one really had to know about that. I don't know why Julia Stiles was so like infuriated She or was just mortified because she made herself vulnerable and was rejected. But then Heath Ledger's response is to let me sing this very publicly in front of everyone. And Wouldn't I, you be so much more mortified by that? Yes. And you would think that Julia Stiles' character would also not love this. But she is charmed. Despite herself. Yes. Also, so many things would be resolved if they had just had cell phones. Really? Well, not resolved, but like just different. Oh, yes. Yes. Different for sure. Um, what else? Like, when you're watching, like, the scene where Julia Stiles is table dancing when she's drunk, and you're like, oh, but in 2019, yeah, this would be immortalized forever. Everyone would have camera phones. Oh, God. What's your favorite? Oh, no, we've talked about your favorite scene. Well, I wrote a couple of things. I had a lot of feelings at the end as well. I was like, ugh, his face when she's reading the sonnet. And, like, it's such good acting from both of them. It's one of the few love confessions where I'm not like, why? It is a bad sonnet. Fine. But they are 17. Let it be. (laughs) How dare you? I really am shocked that they're both so young there. Yeah, yeah. actors. Yeah. Um... And I like the, the actual end scene, too. I literally have a bit that says, this is such a good end scene. The vulnerable-ish smiling way she says, really, destroy me. <laughs> I had a lot of feelings. How long do you think they date, though, before Julia Stiles breaks up with him because she's discovered that she's a lesbian? <laughs> I think, like all freshmen, they break up Thanksgiving a freshman year of college. Okay. And then, like, second semester, Julia Stiles is like, what is this feeling? Oh, God. <laughs> Sarah Lawrence. Yeah, I was just about to say. She is at Sarah Lawrence. So many great lines in this movie. I was like typing, 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 just writing down everything. I can't I don't I can't even say like which one's my favorite because there are so many good ones. I love Maybe Whelmed. Yes. I well I wrote Whelmed, a classic. But I really haven't seen this movie in a while. Yeah, no, me neither. Um I like when Joseph Gordon Levitt's friend is trying to persuade Andrew Keegan about Heath Ledger and Andrew Keegan's like, That guy, I heard he ate a live duck once and he says, Everything but the beacon feet. Clearly he's a solid investment. And then <laughs> Andrew Keegan is trying to like make a connection with Heath Ledger and he's like I had some great duck last night and Heath Ledger is like uh okay I also like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's friend's joke about whether Shakespeare's collar is to keep him from licking his stitches I see you enjoyed a lot of these like dumb puns or dumb things and I also enjoyed at the end when dad is like where is Larissa Olenek going and Julia Stiles says she's meeting some bikers big ones full of sperm I've always loved that line as well. I also love when dad is watching the hair commercials. Yes. And he's like thinking about his own bald spot. <laughs> yes. Okay. I don't have worst. I don't have worst either. Well, she does vomit at one point. Oh, so. yes. I hated that. Yeah. I wrote it down, but then I deleted it because I was like, maybe other people need to hear about this. But yeah. but all my highlights are really about music. Um, yes. I wrote that. I mean, Sonic. Yeah. Oh. Uh, when she like she's like running out of the prom to even angels fall. I was like, is it just me or was the song everywhere on the radio for a period of time? I don't know. I know it was everywhere on my Spotify for a year or two. <laughs> <laughs> You're very with the times. Well, okay, this was college, but I was still, you know, like 10 years late. Um, At one point, there's a banner behind... Oh, I think it might be when she's reading the sonnet. There's a banner behind Julia Stiles that says, what is popular is not always right. What is right is not always popular. And I was like, this is a bit on the nose. (laughs) (laughs) The art department found that and was like, ooh, yes. Seriously. 
Um, in the credits, I noticed that there was someone credited as Beautiful Jock. Oh, interesting. And I was like, I don't know who this was. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah. I enjoyed the bloopers. I enjoyed the bloopers. Where, looking back, I was like, I think as a child, I may not have known what a prophylactic was. No, surely by the age of 17, you knew what a prophylactic was. I don't know that I did. Like, I knew what a condom was, but I'm not sure I knew what a prophylactic was. I think I may have known it sort of as an adjective, but not in its most common usage as a noun. I think I knew what it was because I think I saw it. I heard it in another movie, and I'm not really sure what it was. But oh, that's yeah. possible. I liked the DVD film recommendations. What? Oh, what did they recommend? Oh, because I clicked on the special features, hoping there would be deleted scenes. But then it was just a list of like basically other films they thought you'd enjoy. Like what? She's all that. Yep. Emma, yep. Father of the Bride. Okay. While you were sleeping, The Water Boy and Splash. Interesting. <laughs> Very of the time. Very so. of the time. So what would you give this film? I would give it 10 out of 10. 10 million stars. Yeah. 10 million Sister Hazels. Um, 10 out of 10 Shakespeare's. 10 out of 10 uh, guitars. Oh, because oh, yes. Cat's obsessed with guitars. She's just artsy in general. At one point, she's like drawing, and I'm like, is she just into all alternative things? Apparently, like, they were like, well, how can we make her possibly alternative? I know, she'll be super artsy. Yes, this is, she's as edgy as possible. She's into art. She's into music. She's into Sylvia Plath. Oh, my God. <laughs> wait, what was the question you asked? Oh, no, 10 out of, we, we Oh, were, yes, we yes. It. Yeah. Oh, wait, we didn't talk about people of color. Oh, well, there's the English teacher. Yes. Um, Gabrielle Union. Yep. And then a smattering of other black students. Yes. Oh, at one point, I've always loved when they make up flyers and like basically spring a party on an unsuspecting kid. And that shot of the flyers coming down the staircase. Yes. It's one of my favorite shots. God, It's so beautiful. But I was like, is it a Hitchcock reference? Maybe. Neither of us has ever seen any Hitchcock. No, I have, but have I, I have now, but I haven't. Um, we're not film students. Like, we don't really know. Yeah, so. so I just wonder. But also, in the gathering that of nerds that is happening before the party commences, where he's like, that must be Nigel with the Brie, and instead it's a flood of students, I am heartened to see that there was one black kid at that gathering. Oh, that's nice. Black kids can be nerds, too. <laughs> Insufferable nerds. <laughs> Um, on that note, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Romcomathon. Please write in, uh, find us on Twitter, on Tumblr, and on Instagram. Um, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at, at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at Romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and Romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.